Bethel World Outreach Church. Reaching a city to touch the world. Now, as, as we um, contextualize today's message, you know, one of the things I thought was, um, I, I took a list of the top 10 things statistically that people want. And, and what do you think was on that list? Just, just yell at me just the top uh, 10 things you think people want in, out, of, out of life. Just tell me. Love, money, peace, success, health, happiness, love, peace. All that stuff was on the list. Uh, two notable things that were not on the list. God did not make the list at all. He's not in the top ten. And human relationships didn't make the list. Some uh, narrative has developed within the social media society that we live in that um, you can have a friend without personal interaction, without an eyeball-to-eyeball moment, without uh, physical touch, without covenant-cutting, covenant-making, promise-keeping. You can have uh, a digital relationship is better than a physical relationship. In fact, the statistics say people trust more what they see on the screen than what they see with their real eye. Uh, something's happened that's dumbed down um, uh, relationships. You know, relationships are so important. None of us came to this uh, earth without a relationship. One of the first gifts you were given was mama, daddy. You, you, you could not get here without some form of physical contact. You need relationships. You need someone holding your hand and you need to hold somebody's hand. You need people. Um, the statistic would suggest that if you don't develop relationships that are significant by the age 21 or 23, you, it may be going downhill from there. Now, in Christ, we don't believe that's true because the Bible said he to have friends must first show himself friendly. As we looked at the text last week, we saw that in relationships, uh, institutionally, there could be trouble. Jerusalem Church and the Antioch Church had a difference in doctrinal opinions. And instead of fighting, they... They, they turned their conflict into a conversation, and it came out with a reconciliation moment. But as we look at the text today, I want you to realize that there's uh, moments when relationships just break down. And even after a victory, a breakdown can happen. If you look in Acts 36, I mean, uh, we're going to be teaching out of 16, but turn to 15, verse 36. And after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, this is after their victory in Jerusalem. Um, return, return, let's return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see uh, how they are. Now, Barnabas wanted to take John Mark, but Paul thought best not to take him, uh, for he withdrew at Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated each from the other, Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed off to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers uh, to the grace of the Lord. Look at that. Relationships are so fragile that Paul's most successful relationship in life, Barnabas, the son of encouragement, 
Barnabas, the guy who came in looking for him. Barnabas, who helped him with the organization and birthing of the Gentiles into the, into the church. Barnabas and him had an amazing relationship. They won the greatest religious battles, and for the smallest disagreement, they have fractured. Do you have relationships in your life today that are significant to you, but there's just one word that can be said? There's one dish that can remain unwashed. There's a dent in a car that can happen. There's a failure to pay $50 back to someone you love and owe that can cause a relationship. They said, the Bible said they had a sharp disagreement. I'm going to tell you something. In relationships, the people that you're the closest to, you can have the most sharp, turbulent disagreements with. The police officers and law enforcement in this room will tell you one of the most difficult uh, calls to make is a domestic call. Because when people are fighting their kinfolk and relations, they get passionate. You think these are people who will, who will be less violent or less prone to, to uh, uh, be disruptive, but you can be more prone. See, when you're dug in and you begin to give ultimatums, that relationship's in trouble. There was an ultimatum. We either, if we've taken John Mark, I ain't going. Well, we won't go there. And all of a sudden, one person who has not helped you produce the significance of the connectivity and the relationship you have has sabotaged everything because we have relational dysfunction. And let me tell you something. This is after Paul and Barnabas have the greatest religious victory of the day. And, and guess what? They have the greatest defeat because sometimes after your greatest victory comes your greatest defeat. First thing he did with man and God, it's not good for man to be alone. And he made him a, a, a helper, suitable. Barnabas and Paul were suitable for one another. They were fruitful. It was a divine relationship. So what do you do when the divine relationship comes to an end? What do you do when the fruitfulness that you had in your life with a certain uh, uh, a partner closes down? What do you do when you find yourself in separation or divorce or a breach of a friendship relationship or fired from a job that you love and all of a sudden everything that you felt you were called to do and assigned to do is just completely blown up and the relationships are gone? What do you do? Don't forget that you were called by one greater than your relationship. And even though relationships, can, they, they are divine, they don't define the, 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 the final progress in your life to fulfill the will of God over your life. And I just felt that I needed to say it, especially to people who have gotten divorced, who I feel like, feel like are polarized group of people in church, because somehow when someone has a divorce, it feels like they are never worthy of a good life. And I want to just say out loud, that's a lie. And just like God gave you a divine relationship in the beginning, he can give you a fresh divine relationship. And it could have been your fault that it was over. Or it could have been the other person's fault that, that was over. But guess what? Don't get stuck there. You got to do what Paul did. What did Paul do in, six, in, in chapter 16, verse 1? Look, look let's, let's see what Paul did. When everything goes wrong in his personal relationships, his divine relationship, what does he do? Paul also 
Paul also came to Derby and Lystra. And a disciple was there named Timothy, a son of a Jewish woman who was a believer. But his father was a Greek. Verse 2. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because he was a Jew who were in those places, because of the Jews who were in those places, but they all knew that his father was a Greek. What do you do when your divine relationship falls apart? You stay with your divine assignment. His assignment was to go to Lystra. His assignment was to strengthen the churches. His assignment was to go check on them. His assignment was to go back to the same place in Lystra where he had found pain and he had found problems. In Lystra, the city where he's going to get a new relationship with a man named Timothy, who's going to be like a son to him, a, 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 a disciple, someone who was raised right by his parents. The Bible says the faith was in him. Uh, it was in his grandmother Lois. It was in Eunice, and it was also in him. The Bible says he had learned the Scriptures from a very young age, but he come from a blended family. He had a mama that was a Jew, and a daddy was a Greek, but he's about to be in a divine relationship with a man who's uh, so powerful and so anointed that he's going to pull him up to a new place. I'm telling you that divine re- just because your first divine relationship failed doesn't mean your next one is not imminent. Doesn't mean your assignment has changed. He gets to Lystra. What is the importance of Lystra? If you know what happened at Lystra, to see all Bible students, raise your hand if you know what happened at Lystra. Yeah. Okay, that's why I'm going to go slower. <laughs> at Lystra, Paul was in Barnabas were preaching the gospel, and they saw a man that was crippled for 27 years his whole life. The Bible says they looked at him, and he had faith to be healed, and they told him to stand up. He stood up, and the people in the crowd said, this is amazing. This must be the God called Jupiter, and this must be the other God, Zeus. They began to strip. They they began to get things to sacrifice to Paul and Barnabas. They were gods. They were trying to parade them through the city, and they had to tear their clothes off. They say, no, 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 no. Look, we men. We men. Just like you. But they wouldn't listen. And then some haters, some Jews that didn't even really like that Paul and them was getting that type of attention, start whispering among the crowd about the character of Paul and Barnabas. And the crowd went from trying to sacrifice to them as gods, and they took out stones, and they started throwing at Paul and Barnabas. One of the stones hit Paul in his head. He was gone. We don't know if he, the Scripture is not clear whether he died or he was knocked out. But they drug him out like he was dead. They drug him out the city. And the Bible said he got back up. And this is the place that he's going back to. If you shoot me, (laughs) and I survive, that's a sign. Don't go back there. He went back without his divine partner, without the guy that was with him. Can you imagine what you feel like when you're already going back to a place that has tension and you already have some anxiety about it and your team is broken up? It's sometimes it's difficult to just start that divine walk again. But if you don't lose your divine assignment, 
then you'll run into another divine relationship. He got there and he found Timothy. And the Bible says Timothy has something that was more valuable to him than what Barnabas brought, his ethnicity. You know, it's a funny thing that because sometimes we discriminate against one another based on ethnicity, but what makes Timothy a unique catch is his ethnicity. And it's the fact that his ethnicity is mixed. He is both Jew and Gentile, he, or Jew and Greek. He's all mixed in there. Sometimes I want to come after this lie that being a part of a blended family or, or, or being ethnically mixed it means you can be easily dismissed. I, I believe the Bible shows us in many occasions where the mix is, is almost an advantage. So it don't matter how the world look at it. I would take a biblical perspective, and I see the mix as God doing something divine within a relationship. It's something about his spirit of reconciliation that shows up in that ethnic reconciliation that says something about him. It wouldn't be possible without him. And I like the mix. So, you know, I just, I just, I just like that. And I apologize that we don't celebrate that enough. We, sometimes we only celebrate here as black and white. And you know, there are blended and mixed families. And guess what? You make a difference. You are important. Timothy here is important. And, and, and Paul is going to teach us something within this relationship. I know this relationship was based on trust. The reason I know that this relationship was based on trust and that it was divine, because upon coming into a relationship with Timothy, Paul instantly knew that they were supposed to work together, but he tested the relationship by saying, hey, man, look, you're going to have to be vulnerable with me. I'm going to have to circumcise you. Now, just because it's indelicate, but it makes the point, I have to tell you what circumcision means. is the cutting away of the foreskin of the male member. That's all. And then... So he had to be vulnerable. He had to be exposed. And he had to be trusting to another man. Who are you vulnerable with? Who are you exposed to? The first thing in the human relationship with God made a woman suitable, and he said they were both naked and unashamed. Who are you naked with? And I don't mean it in a perverted sense. I mean, who are you willing to bear all with? Do you actually walk with people and project on them the person you would want you want to be? Is that when you show up in your small group? Are you talking about the person you want to be, or are you talking about the person you are? Are you talking about what you might accomplish one day, or where you're really at today? You can tell this is a divine relationship because from the very beginning of the relationship, there's a vulnerability and there's trust because every man in this room knows I'm not letting another man see me or touch me. Cut me. <laughs> Said Paul did it. Now, I've been looking at every translation and everything I look at, Paul actually did the work. I'll be like, man, we got to go to the doctor. We, we got to, you know, something. <laughs> what Trust. You want a divine relationship? My spouse is my best friend. Can you tell her everything? Can you tell him everything? And if you can't, don't be mad. You need to enter into the divine relationship so you can get God's best out of it. And I know it's scary to have a divine relationship. And that's why half of Americans don't have one. Because it's too scary. Because I don't want you to reject me. I don't want you to judge me. I don't want you to point at me. I don't want you to leave me when you find out who I really am. 
I love it. And then and he, and he says, the reason we're doing this, Timothy, is not because we lost the battle in Jerusalem when we found out that salvation is by grace alone and that you didn't need to be circumcised if you were a Gentile to be accepted within the church. The reason that you're going to help me is your, your ethnicity in partnership with me is to the advantage of the furthering of the gospel. And if you would be inconvenienced culturally, if you would allow me to, 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 to put you in this type of disposition, we're going to be more presentable to the people that we're trying to reach. Are you willing, Timothy, to do what I'm willing to do, become all things to all men that we might win some? Uh, are, you, are, you, are you willing to let down some of your preferences? Or maybe are you willing to give in to someone else's preferences that don't affect your salvation, but they will create an open door in another culture or another community? What are you willing to do, beloved church, to reach people? Are you willing to just look at them as people who possibly could get in one day? Or are you willing to pay the price and eat some food and go some places and have some cultural experiences that you wouldn't ever otherwise like? Now, could it go wrong? Yes. Like when we invited, we had the Egyptian festival up in the church, in the gym. It's Festival of Nations. We were celebrating. We, we once a month try to celebrate different nations, and we were celebrating Egyptians. And we didn't really check the agenda, and the belly dancers came out. <laughs> and it wasn't like we could stop the belly dance at church that quick. Especially after we just said, we, 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 want, we be welcome, be at home. So, yeah, you know, it can, it, I mean, it can go wrong. But, but go for it. Try it. All we can say is, wasn't that an awesome experience? I mean, oh, what are you going to do? You just, you just clap and you just move on because that's over. Paul said, give me 1 Corinthians 9. Give me 1 Corinthians 9. Here's what Paul said. For though I am free from all, I made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them. And I'm, I'm going to tell you here, it's relationship. What are you willing to do to win people? What are you willing to cut away or adjust? What are you willing to inconvenience for to win people? He said, Paul said, to the Jew, I became like the Jew. In order to win the Jew, to those under the law, I became as one not, uh, one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I may win those under the law. To those outside of the law, I became as one outside of the law, not being outside of the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became as weak, that I might win the weak, and I became all things to all people, that I, by all means, I might save some. And here's the reason I did it. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I might share with them, people, in, in its blessing. See, divine relationships produce divine accomplishments. Their divine relationship of Paul and Barnabas produced a, a unity between the Antioch church and the Jerusalem church and an opportunity to advance the kingdom within the Gentile community that had not existed before. It created a document that opened doors. It created the opportunity for, for Paul to go back to the churches and say there's something to be victorious about. And when we get to verse 4 and verse, verse 5, we see that this divine relationship produces something. It produces an accomplishment. It achieves something. A good divine relationship's proof is that it is fruitful, that it actually, it, it abounds. It, it, it actually, you can say that you're in a relationship with people, but you, you always feel bad, more angry. 
you came away from your girlfriends and you wanted to get a divorce. You know, these type of things are, are, are what pull you away. But now if you're in a divine relationship, there should be some gospel accomplishments within a healthy relationship. Where are you on journey with another believer to get somewhere? Look at verse 4 and 5. He says, as they went on their way through the cities, they went. This is the first time that you see that, that Timothy has officially joined the team. It is divine. It was instant. It was quick, but there was a joining. It was much like me joining uh, in the pastoral leadership of this church. Pastor Rice came down to my place of employment. We stood in the parking lot with a bunch of elders. He said, hey, from this day forward, you're going to be with us. You, 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 you're, you're a pastor with us. And, and everything I did was with him. Everything. A divine relationship produces fruit. And they went to the cities. They delivered to them the, the, the observance of the decisions that were, no, do it, do it fast. Sorry. They delivered to them the observance of the decisions that had been made or reached by the apostles and the elders. This is the decision that salvation was by grace alone. This is the decision that they didn't have to get circumcised. This is the decision that could you do some cultural things that would help us not offend the Jews, which is like don't eat meat that was strangled with blood. Don't get into hydra. You, you could do a few little things for me culturally. They're not a command, but I want you to know you're only saved by grace. They begin to deliver this to the church through the partnership of a multi-ethnic man that was a Jew and a Greek who had a great leadership gift, who was prominent and well-known. And here, here's what happened in verse 5. Here's the result. Or, or here's the divine accomplishment. The churches were strengthened in the faith. And they increased in number daily. How do you, do, do you grow a church? Divine relationships. People don't want to be at your church if nobody like each other. Now, I stand over there all the time, and I meet new guests. And one of the number one things they say is two things. Oh, I like the diversity at your church. I don't see that diversity all the time. That's really nice. And then the second thing they say is, everybody's so nice and friendly. I said, well, everybody's friendly at a church. They said, no, your church is real friendly. Ten people have said hello to me. How are you doing? Are you in a life group? So, I want to thank you for that. You see, it produces. See, a, 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 a guy named Rice Brooks, the roommate uh, of a Steve Merle, the roommate of a, uh, of a Phil Bonasso, divine relationships hanging together instead of separating through the ups and downs, become a body of believers together, a few churches together, a few nations together, now, now thousands of churches together, and then now 80 nations reach because roommates and divine relationships produce divine accomplishments. Do you mean to tell me, are you saying, Pastor James, that, that the person I'm in the life group with, the person I'm in the divine relationship with, that we can have some type of amazing, yes, that's what I'm telling you. If the enemy is successful at telling you that you're insignificant, if he's successful at telling you it's the woman you gave me and you separate, it's John Mark, and you separate, then you won't learn the lesson that God is obviously teaching Paul. That Paul, I know that a divine relationship ended and there's no place where that was stated that it was God's will. I know it ended, but I'm going to give you a second chance to start loving on this millennial. 
John Mark was probably young, millennial. We know Tim he was. If you're older, what millennials are you loving? If you're a, 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 a boomer, what busters are you, are you loving? Because we was the busters to the boomers. Millennials, are you mentoring disease? Where are the divine relationships? Because they produce divine accomplishments. And if I could give you, if I dare give you the final point, if I dare give you the final clue, you're going to love it. You are going to love it. I'm about to get to you. Okay, here, verse 6. Last four verses is going to show us something. It's going to show you something, but it's also going to drive you to what Jesus is trying to get to you so he can get it through you. Yeah. Remember, that was a couple sermons ago. Yeah. And they went through the region. Now they're a team. Woo, we went through the region. Faragai, Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in A. So wait a minute. They start going through the region but God the Holy Spirit is showing up in these divine relationships and after all of these divine accomplishments, and he's saying, but I don't want y'all doing nothing here. But the assignment in Acts 15, 36 was we're going back to visit all the other churches, and Galatia is one of the churches we started. We got we to gotta go help them, but then I don't want you saying nothing. And it is me, God, the Holy Spirit, that is closing the door that was previously opened through another divine relationship. Now with this relationship, prayer, that relationship, that, that's, that's, that's closed. A lot of times we try to hold on to the thing we got when we was a baby and the thing we got when we was over here at this other church. And, and that's what the prophet told me. And you hold on to all of those things and don't understand that sometimes God is fluid. He knows when things adjust, he begins to adjust for you, help you. How are you going to live out a, 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 a Barnabas and Paul destiny when now your partner is Timothy and Silas? Now, how are you going to work that? Yeah. Don't lament your old life. Yes, that had a season, and it was divine, and it may have ended because God wanted it to, or you might have ended it prematurely, but that doesn't mean your mission or your assignment is over, and that's just how gracious God is. That's just how good he is. Maybe it should have been over if it was me doing all the judging. If you did anything wrong, I'll just cut you. But God is so faithful. He's so just and fair. Even when we are wretched and sinful and confused, he says, I still have some divine relationships that produce divine accomplishments that will give you a new divine assignment. Here it is. Look at verse 7. So he said, and, and, when, and when they had, had come up to uh, Messiah, they attempted to go to Bethina, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So now we say, okay, we're going to go some new places. Nobody's preached the gospel here. We got a new team, so we're giving ourselves a new assignment. But notice that at no point since Acts 15 till now has Paul had a prayer meeting. At no point have we said, and the Holy Spirit said, and the Holy Spirit said. All we see is the Holy Spirit stopping activity that is based on past narrative because they need a fresh retouch. Now, I know that it's easy to live off of past residue of what God says, but you still need your daily bread. And Paul, you're not giving us enough examples of the fact that you're actually getting in there and getting some stuff accomplished with God. 
So now the Holy Spirit resists him. Now this time we say, the Spirit of Jesus then stood up and said, hey, I didn't say you can do that new stuff. The old stuff is close to you, and the new stuff you want to do is close to you. Now, now you're going to love this next part. Oh, shot. You're going to love this next part. Verse 8. So passing by Messiah, they went to Choraz. So they, they, by the time he got that vision, he said, okay, I guess we can't stop. How can you go through a door if God closed it? Sometimes we fight people when it's the divine God himself standing in our way. And a vision appeared to Paul, verse 9, in the night. So he wasn't dreaming. He was probably just laying down. And a man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him, saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. He got a vision in the midst of everything he was going on, I, 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 he, he had a Peter experience where he's getting information about a group of people he needs to minister to or go to that he wasn't previously thinking about because Peter wasn't thinking about going to Cornelius' house, but God showed him the animals that were clean and unclean and said, rise, kill, and eat. Don't call something unclean. He gave him that in a vision, and he's giving Paul a moment that your ministry assignment is adjusting. Church, Bethel, we can live on the word of the past. In fact, if you took too much manna in the Old Testament, if you took more than a day's worth of manna, it would rot and worms would get in it. You need a word from God every day. And so God is showing up and giving this man a vision, clarity, focus. Saying random, we want to go, we're going to go down to this. We're going to go down to that. What is Jesus, the spirit of Jesus saying you should do to outreach? Does he want you to do something? Yes. They want you to do the right thing? Yes. Verse 10 is the last verse. And when Paul has seen the vision, somebody say the next word. Say it again. Well, he took a week to think about it. Come on, talk to me. He took a week to think about it. Say immediately. He took an hour to think about it. He said, you know, I'm going to put that on the shelf because I'm not clear. Immediately, we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Immediately, and notice that the we shows up. The narrator, the writer of this is Luke, and Luke is picked up in Troas. A doctor is picked up in Troas. And if you know something, Paul was having infirmities and sickness, and he didn't even really have everything that he needed to be successful on the missionary journey. But you know what? God stopped him from going to one place, said, I got that cover. He stopped him from going to another place. And when he gets to Troas, he picks up a person that he needs for his own life and that's going to write the book of Luke for us. And the book of Acts, or the book of Acts. Jesus knows what he's doing in our life. Divine relationships produce two things. They produce divine accomplishments and divine assignments. Even you can say divine parents. Divine accomplishments, divine assignments. 
You have an assignment. But guess what, beloved? With your eyes open, God can give you a vision. I'm, yo, oh, God, I'm believing him even right now to give you a clear vision of what he wants you to do next. You cannot sit here and hear about the gospel being preached and hear the Old Testament and how the gospel is spread. He has given you all of the information so that he can give you a vision for how you're going to transfer the gospel. And you're probably not going to do that without partnership because he sent everybody out two by two. Stand to your feet. Ministry team, come down. But, but don't lose focus because I'm about to give, get you a vision. God who's rich in vision. God is moving right now to give you vision. God is moving right now to give you clarity. Close your eyes. You know what? Don't close your eyes because that would mess it up. You can close it if you need to, but I want to show you that God doesn't need your eyes closed to give you vision. He can speak to your mind's eye without you being focused. He knows how to interrupt you. He knows how to put you in a trance. He knows how to give vision to you. I want you to ask him, say, God, the Holy Spirit, give me revelation. Give me vision. Give me clarity. What is my assignment? Where are my divine relationships? Where are my partnerships? What, are the, uh, what do you want from me? Here I am, Lord. I'm, I'm waiting to see. I don't want you to just interrupt my life like you did, Peter. I don't want to head in the wrong direction to get two rebukes from you before I hear from you. I don't want to be stuck on the failures of past relationships and past challenges and problems. I want divine, I want, I want divine relationships. And I want divine accomplishments. And I want my fresh divine assignment. Child around, walking around the same place thinking or hoping that I'm affecting uh, kingdom change. I want to know I am. Ask him to give you fresh vision. Ask him. It's personal. Maybe you don't pray a lot. Maybe you don't know how God speaks to you. Take the smallest clue. Even if you feel like this comes from me, and if it's positive, just take it. It's probably him because he's good, and he only gives you good things. The devil is not going to tell you to do anything for anybody. If you're hearing, here's what I need to do for my neighbor. Here's what I need to do for my community. It's probably more than likely God because the enemy doesn't like you doing stuff. I can sense he told me in this message he's going to give you fresh vision for your family. There are some close relationships that were on the bubble. He is ending that just by the revelation that he's anointing you to be with him. Clear relationships. Some of you are even, 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 uh, am I supposed to be at Bethel? Yes. Am I supposed to be in this city? And you know, so you've you got all these things and God is bringing clarity right now. He's bringing you fresh vision. You have a divine relationship and partnership that's right here. You've had so many questions before the Lord and he's giving you vision to answer those questions. Some of you have given up hope on a few things. But our God is the restorer of hope, the maker and the keeper of promises. And though he tarry, the Bible says, you wait for it, for the vision is yet for the appointed time. Though it tarry, the Bible says, wait for it. Do you mean you wait expecting? You may not come when you want it, but it is always, 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 always there on time. I'm going to end the service. And if you need to pray with someone for salvation, direction, deliverance, 
to be set free, to get clarity, to get direction, to get healing, you can just come down right at the conclusion of the prayer. If you want to, there'll be pastors over there at the guest reception. You can sign up for, for outreaches. You can come on Wednesday night and get connected. But I want to tell you, if you don't leave with anything else today, leave with a divine vision. Maybe even sit down, take your phone out and just say it. Say the smallest thing. Say it to somebody next to you so you're accountable. But don't live without vision. I'm going to pray for you, and if you have any prayer needs, you can come up. Let's just give God a round of applause first, though. What a great God. Come on, if he's done something great in your life, I feel breakthrough. Somebody's breaking through. Lord, I pray. First of all, Lord, I thank you for these people. I thank you that their lives will never be the same. I thank you, God, that I saw you, God, uh, I saw you intervening and making sure some relationships that were divine, they didn't have separation. I thank you, God, for that intervention right now, God. I even thank you for the healing that's just being applied right now. I think that some people have some legitimate reasons to end some, some relationship. You had legitimate reasons, but the Lord is beginning to give you wisdom and, uh, of how to avoid pain and avoid circumstances and situations. I thank you, Lord, that you're healing those who the enemy lied to and said their life was over because they had a divorce or they had a turbulent time or they had 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 some immorality in their life, but they repented of it. I thank you in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you're restoring the confidence through the grace that is in your name, God. And I thank you, Lord, not only are you giving them new divine relationships, God, you're giving them some fresh divine assignments through vision. God is going to use you in schools. I see a few people in schools being used. I see some people in there who have hospital jobs being used, even, even in healing and raising the dead. You're being used. You're going to go out with a fresh anointing. The Bible says, Timothy, don't neglect the gift that was given to you by the laying on the hands by the Presbyterian prophecy. There's been a gift deposited on the inside of each of you, and you must dispense it. You must use it, saith the Lord. Use the gifts that I've given you. Use the anointing that I've given you. Use this season that I've given you. I've given you fresh relationships. I've given you a fresh word. I've given you fresh direction. I've given you to be united together as a group of believers, and I'm going to come in the midst of you, and I'm going to pour out of my spirit in a fresh and a new way, saith the Lord. I'm not going to leave you wandering and hopeless and lonely and alone, but I am uniting you with the other believers, saith the Lord, that I can bring revival in this place and revival in this city and revival to the hurting and revival to the lost. I'm bringing a spirit of deliverance in this house, saith the Lord. I'll deliver you from those things that stalk you, that plague you, that hurt you, that pull you away from my will, and I'm going to throw you straight in the middle of my will, saith the Lord. You're not going to lose me. You're going to gain me. You're not going to have a season of loss and pain. You're going to have a season of winning, saith the Lord. Hey, give God praise and glory. Give him praise and glory. Give him praise and glory. Come on, give him praise and glory. If you've watched this message and you want to make Jesus Lord of your life, I've got good news. You can do it right now. I want you to pray with me. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my life for the rest of my life. I acknowledge I am a sinner. I need you, my Savior. I believe you died for me. I believe you were raised from the dead on the third day, and I confess that you are now Lord of my life. If you've just prayed that prayer, I have good news for you. You have eternal life. The next step for you is to get in a Bible-believing church. We volunteer to be that church, but if not us, we pray God's blessings on you as you search for God's best for you. Thank you. Bethel World Outreach Church. Reaching a city to 
touch the world.